In a way, we could say that all of us do that. You can go onto LinkedIn and you'll see everyone exaggerating their achievements using, you, you know, speak getting invited yeah, to a. I'm not call, I'm not saying you two. Oh, I do. <laughs> yeah, it's a point of contention. Smashing Security, Episode 158, The Man Behind the Missing Crypto Queen, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 158. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And this week, Carol, we are joined by, oh, God of the Podcast, a very popular podcast host. It is the star of The Missing Crypto Queen. It's Jamie Bartlett. Hello, Jamie. Hello. I mean, I'm not really the star, I'd say... um... Ruta Ignatov as the actual star. I'm just the presenter. No, you're kind of the star. <laughs> you're not the crypto queen. We should explain that. It's not you, right? <laughs> she hasn't gone that deep undercover and got the... Great the... Halloween costume for you, though. <laughs> you, you know, right? you, you say that. I know I will finally accept this as a successful podcast if next Halloween someone goes dressed as the missing crypto queen, Dr. Ruja. That's my okay, mark done. of success. I'll do it. An excuse to buy a very expensive dress, All right. right? I can give you some advice. <laughs> We'll talk a little bit more about a missing crypto queen later in this show. But during the course of it, you do raise this possibility that maybe she's had plastic surgery and changed her appearance to avoid detection. Um, Graham, and can we not tell everyone everything? Oh, OK. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we just get on with the show? Yeah. <laughs> Carol, what's coming up on the show this week? Thanks to this week's sponsors, LastPass and support helps us give you this show for free. Now, Graham is looking at the loot that a few cyber criminals walk around with just in case you thought crime didn't pay. Jamie's going to give us some great insight into the missing crypto queen and making it and all the background information. And I'm going to get a little political on this show, just a smattering of digital snafuri. All this and loads more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chums, chums. Um, Jamie, I don't know you too. Would you drive a car, Jamie? Um, I've got a car. Sorry, I've got a license, but I don't have a, <laughs> I don't have a car, though. Well, that's halfway there, isn't yeah, it? That's, yeah, I think so. More than if halfway. If you did have a car, are you the sort of person who would decorate it with pictures of skulls and uh, knuckle dusters and all kinds of evil stuff like that? I'd probably consider it, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I've got an old car, and you know, why not let its last few years of life be cool? Well, Carol, would you cover yours with sort of camouflage to try and uh, maybe you know fit Wait, into Oxford camouflage? Would I have pictures of students everywhere? <laughs> Bicycles, something like that. (laughs) Well, some Oxford spires. You know, some people would. And the kind of people who would are the two Russian nationals who've just had charges filed against them by the US authorities because they're alleged to have run a global cybercrime organization called Evil Corp. So sorry. Do you know if they're registered under that name? I don't. I don't know what the, what the rules of running okay. a re- Russian business are. Oh, I should do more research on these stories. Graham. Well, Carol, <laughs> I suspect they're not paying tax. Okay, so they probably haven't bothered to also register their business. Okay, wasn't uh, uh, now, Doctor Evil from Austin Powers? Didn't he run like Evil? Well, corp? yes. Ooh. Was it an Evil Corp? It was certainly was an organisation in Mister Robot 
because if you remember Elliot, the hero of Mr. Robot, he attempts to destroy the largest conglomerate in the world called E-Corp, which uh, he has renamed to Evil Corp. Mm -hmm. Um, But this particular, this Russian Evil Corp run by these two guys is said to be responsible for some of the worst computer hacking and bank fraud schemes of the past decade. Said to have stolen $100 million through spamming out email attachments, which then helped them break into bank accounts and steal large amounts of cash. Okay, no offense, Graham, but that's like chump change compared to Crypto Queen. Well, we'll be coming on to the Crypto Queen later. <laughs> Is everything going to be trumped by the Crypto Should we just fast forward to Jamie's segment of the show and we'll talk just, about you know, the Crypto Queen instead? Get a instead? clip on, let's go. Now, look, the National Crime Agency, the NCA here in the UK, have described Evil Court as the world's most harmful cybercrime group and the most significant cybercrime threat to the whole UK. I mean, that's mm. pretty strong stuff, isn't that it? That they know about. Well, that they know. I mean, they also know about other threats to the UK on the cybers, like Piers Morgan, for instance. He'd be pretty dangerous and a significant threat, I think. But no, they, they're saying these are these guys are the most significant cybercrime threat who are out there. I'm amazed at that. $100 million, and they say that's the most significant cybercrime threat. Well, at least $100 million, but these guys have been operating for 10 years. They've got quite a large infrastructure, as we will hear. And the US authorities have just placed a $5 million bounty on the head of their leader, a guy who goes by the codename of Aqua. His real name is Maxim Yakubuts. Well, because he can just get out of any situation, just like water. <laughs> Maybe. Wow. Yeah. Like it. Like it. I love he, these guys. Evil Core, Aquaman. It's good. He is a 32 year old living in Moscow. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been thought to have been running this for the last 10 years. The cops have been investigating him for the last five years. And according to law enforcement, he has employed scores of people to run his operation from the basements of you know how much smoky Moscow cafes. Hmm. Why are you thinking of applying for the job, Krill? Well, you know, I don't know. He's obviously very successful at what he does. <laughs> it's interesting how quickly you turn. Well, I'm just, I'm just looking into it. I'm keeping an open mind. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Keep I mean, here we mind. are, three impoverished podcasters, <laughs> and we're talking about these Russians. I don't think I would, I would say I'm impoverished. Would you say you're impoverished? Um, well, you know, I mean, maybe not impoverished, no. Okay. But you're starting to feel it, aren't you, now that you've heard that $100 million is being made? Suddenly you do feel a little bit poor. And You do. I mean, there's a guy in his early 30s. Mm. Here I am, 50, you know. A failure. <laughs> what have you achieved compared to this Yeah, what have, I, what have I managed to do? He's got himself a pseudonym. He's got himself a Lamborghini. It's covered in camouflage. He's got another one which is covered in pictures of skulls and knuckle dusters. Mm. He's got scores of people working for him from smoky Moscow cafes. He's defrauded and stolen money from bank accounts of members of the public and businesses using the Drydex malware. So you're contemplating going to the dark side? Well, I don't know, Kroll. Do you think I should? I mean, do you think now we've been doing I don't this think show? You'd be now very for successful three... at it, actually. We've been... <laughs> <laughs> I think you could try. I'm not endorsing it, but you know. Well, he's been operating for ten years, and right. uh, eight people in the network have already been sentenced. The money launderers, the network of money launderers, because once the money's stolen, the money is moved into accounts and ultimately comes back to evil core. Um, uh, Over 40 years in prison, those guys have been uh, sentenced to. and uh, So they're in prison in Moscow? Oh, no, 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 Carol. 
that's not quite how it works. <laughs> that's what I thought. I just want to be clear. <laughs> because yes, these chaps are known about, have been known about for some years, and they are operating fairly openly in Russia. In fact, if you click on some of the links in the show notes, we've got, for instance, a link to a YouTube video of them burning rubber in their sports cars, doing donuts in the main streets of Moscow, holding up traffic. Oh, is that where all the hot men are? So, <laughs> so they've got all these supercars with personalised number plate. Translates to the word thief. Um, <laughs> they spent over a quarter of a million pounds on their wedding. Uh, this guy, Jakobets. Uh, it looks like something from the Eurovision Song Contest. There are lasers everywhere and chandeliers and fancy lighting. You know, it's, th- these guys are, are living very ostentatiously. And living the dream as far as you're concerned, right? Because you're, you feel impoverished. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I really want to go and do you, a donut. Do you want a laser? Do you, <laughs> I, do you, do, you don't want to go do a donut? No. And the laser stuff is a bit more Doctor Evil, isn't it, I think, than uh, Evil Core. But Do you even know how to do a donut in a car? I, I wouldn't know how to no, do a donut. See, there no. you go. I don't even know how to reverse park, let's be honest. So, I mean, the chance of me doing a donut are, are fairly remote. What about you, Jamie? Do you, can you donut? Uh, well, no, maybe, um, I, I think I know in theory how you do it, but I've, I've always looked on admiringly at the people that can, but no, never, never had the courage to try it. But the thing is about this is it, I, I looking at this story makes me think immediately with all of these cybercrime cases, it's when you see how much money you can make and you, you, you get to be able to have Eurovision weddings and donut seeing cars in car parks you think to yourself, well, why would you work for the local authority on cyber security? Maybe they give you a free croissant in the morning. Maybe a, a donut, surely, girl, not <laughs> a Or a donut, yeah. <laughs> well, these guys were fairly jammy, you know, because you may say, why would they work <laughs> oh. for the local authorities helping them secure their defences? Well, Jakobitz also had a sideline because he was also giving direct assistance, according to the US authorities, to the Russian government's malicious cyber efforts. What a surprise. Yes, what a surprise indeed. And of course, this is probably what's been protecting him from having his collar felt because they thought, well, you know what you're doing. You could be rather handy because we've got a little bit of hacking we'd like to do ourselves. Okay, so these guys are still operating now. Yeah. And everything is just tickety-boo, and the U.S. is saying these dudes are bad, and the NCA are saying these dudes are bad, and we've got a bounty on their heads, and but they're out there having a great time, and you're thinking of joining them because well, you want that, a bit no, of extra no, cost. Steady on, steady on. I don't want them coming around and making me an offer I can't refuse. So that, that wouldn't be good, right? But certainly what's yeah. happening <laughs> is that the U.S. has said – There's $5 million if you help us catch these guys. It's going to be more difficult for these guys to operate internationally. They're clearly going to have to probably stay in Russia rather than go on holidays to the Algarve, or they once Mm. toddled off to Dubai, for instance, on a bit of a Beano. They're not going to be able to do that so easily. So in some ways, their wings have been clipped. But I think it's going to be hard for the Americans to actually get their hands on them and extradite them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting how much money they might be putting into it. I guess what they want to do is warn their people to say, hey, look, watch out for these things. But I'm not hearing any of that, right? Like, well, how are they getting us with email, phishing attacks? Yeah, so, so- they have a very sophisticated piece of malware called Drydex. Mm-hmm. And that is spammed out via email attachment. And then it 
puts up fake dialogues. It might steal your passwords for your online bank accounts. And they've been evolving Drydix. I think we've actually spoken about it in a past episode of Smashing Security. They've been evolving it in different ways in order to fool people, in order to get past the antivirus defenses that many people have in place. But imagine I wasn't actually interested in cybersecurity at all. How would I stop this from coming onto my computer? Best way is to keep yourself patched, run an up-to-date antivirus, and hope that it really is up to date. Even that's not going to be a 100% security against it. You can also, of course, uh, have two-factor authentication in place and uh, for things like your bank accounts. Keep an eye open for suspicious transactions. It's like you've said all this before. Well, yeah. I mean, it's common advice, right? Okay, I just, it's, I just thought it'd be good to share, you know? Yeah, but I, I don't think the authorities are, are simply interested in warning people about this. I think they want to try and curb these activities and... These are two youngsters, I mean, I say youngsters, they're they're like early 30s at best. Um, But they have been bragging rather a lot over the years on social media, posting up pictures of their (laughs) high-speed car chases. They've also posted up videos of them sort of falling off hoverboards, or at one point they they appear to be cavorting with baby lion cubs on their oriental carpets. in a country whose leader has had pictures of himself bare-chested in the woods. Oh, Crow, I don't know if you've ever seen my wedding photos, but they're, they're quite, <laughs> quite similar to that, to be honest. In the, uh, in the 1990s, the UK government was thought to have a sort of policy towards radical Islamists, which was basically, you can live in London, do what you want overseas, but just don't attack us. And as long as you leave us alone, we'll leave you alone. And it it's it felt like for quite a few years that in, in Russia, it's, it's been the same. Sort of you yeah. carry on with your cyber attacks on these other countries we don't much like. We will leave you alone. We'll leave you to it. But don't turn against us. If you do, then you're going to be in trouble. And it's perfect situation, isn't it, for the Kremlin? Because they have this distance from them. And I, yes. I wonder whether, the, I mean, the US probably knows they're never going to extradite them. They're never going to arrest them. But it's all about a sort of power play you're just publicising the fact that there are these malicious actors in Russia that are being allowed to operate openly and freely because I think that that's really becoming one of the sort of diplomatic tools that people are leaning on each other, accusing each other of various types of corporate espionage and stuff. So it's probably just an announcement to just lean on Russia a bit more. Think about it the other way, though, right? Imagine someone living in the UK or the US hacking into some poor Russians who are, you know, falling for some scam. Yeah, I'm wondering whether our governments are ever a little bit lax if it was the other way around. You know, we're just going to target Russian businesses and whether our government ever says, okay, um, you know, we're going to look the other way and we don't... Mm -hmm. I have no idea. I have no idea. Maybe in the next podcast. Well, one of the uh, members of Evil Court is believed to be the son of a former mayor of one of the big cities over in Russia. So there certainly were links to politicians. Yep, networking kids. Good to have connections. Yep, good to be connected. uh, And of course, countries all around the world are hacking each other. There's a lot of this going on. But it's good. It really is good. And I think this is encouraging to see the US authorities really taking a hard line, finally, against Russian hacking. I thought you were going to say, I think it's really good that he finally got a really cool car. No, no, it's a gross car. (laughs) Forget the cyber crimes. This is sort of crime against fashion and good taste when you see the pictures oh, of these sure cars you never ask me for a lift when I get mine on. Well, I don't think yours is... Have you still got that red leather, Carol, and the uh, dice <laughs> hanging up as well? Fake <laughs> leather, actually. Leatherette. 
Well, Jamie, I think it's time for us to move over to you and find out something about the missing crypto queen. What do you want to know? Okay, so first thing, let's assume that not all our listeners took our advice to go and listen to it. (laughs) But a lot of them, I'm sure, did. But give a little vignette on basically the whole story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically what happened was 2014, a woman turns up out of nowhere, Bulgarian-German businesswoman. She's 34 years old. It's called Ruja Ignatova. And she says to the world... You've all heard about Bitcoin. Maybe you think you've missed the boat on Bitcoin, um, but don't worry. I've got a new one. I've got the next Bitcoin. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be better. It's safer. It's simpler. The Bitcoin people are too technical anyway. They're arrogant. This is going to be Bitcoin for the masses that you can really use in the local shops. Yeah. Um, and it's called OneCoin. I've invented it. And would you like to invest? And if you invest now, just like with Bitcoin, you're getting in at the very beginning, price is going to shoot up and you can make a fortune. Wasn't this at a time when there were loads of new coins coming up? Like there were tons of different yeah. coins. I mean, every day I'd be looking online going, oh, look, there's another one. But I think the real golden age was actually 2016 when there were oh, okay, ICOs okay. every other weekend and mm-hmm. people are pouring money into these initial coin offerings. But yeah, you're right. 2016. 14, I think that was when Ethereum first arrived. Yeah, and so there yeah. were these new coins arriving and there was this sort of a sense that Bitcoin was just the start and there were others coming and hers was one of them. And so she says all this and very, very quickly this spread so fast. So by March 2017, over 4 billion euros has been poured into this cryptocurrency. That That's money, okay? <laughs> That's money. Four billion, okay? Not 100 million measly million. 100 million was poured in just from the UK. 100 million. So we're talking about colossal amounts of money. And all these investors, all these people thought they were going to make a fortune themselves. Yeah, they thought that they were going to get 10x, 20x, 30x, 100x on their investment because they were buying these coins at practically nothing and Mm. Ruja was saying within a couple of years they'll be worth a hundred dollars each and who knows what beyond that and people were amassing these coins 175 countries I estimate around a a million or so people invested and then in October 2017 she disappears she has not been so she disappears like she just she just she just poofs right she's out more or less yeah yeah she takes a flight from Sofia, Bulgaria, which is where her her head office is and where she lives, to Athens, Greece, and is Mm. never seen again. Which is the CEO and founder of the coin. The visionary, the messiah, the the next Satoshi. I mean, everything. She is the genius behind this coin who everyone worshipped. She vanishes off the face of the earth. And, And then, of course, the podcast is trying to find her, but also to uncover the fact that this is a colossal pyramid scam. Um, and try to work out how she's managed to pull it off. Because that's the thing. I mean, it wouldn't really matter if she had disappeared if those people who'd invested would be able to cash out their coins. Like Satoshi Uh, Nakamoto. uh, Right. (laughs) Who never never appeared. (laughs) Uh, You know, that that would have been great. But my understanding, as I remember listening to the podcast, there was no way to get your money out. The promise was that this was going to happen. There was promise, oh, it's a blockchain, it's all being recorded properly. Well, got- but all people really got was a website where the current price of the one coin was increasing all the time, so they thought their investment was increasing. Yeah, exactly. So the idea was you buy your coins, 
you get your coins into your account. You open a web, you open mm. an account on the OneCoin website, and then you, when you send the money, you get the coins into your account, so you can open it up, look, and see. Oh, I've now got a hundred OneCoin. I've got a thousand OneCoin, and the price kept updating, and the price kept going up and up and up and up every month. Wow. And the promise was very soon you will be able to exchange your coins back for real money again at the price at the price on the website. Yeah. But mm. there were no there was no blockchain behind any of this. It was just a number on a screen. There was nothing behind it. It was probably an SQL database in an office in Sofia and someone was just changing the price. So everyone thought they were sitting on some people thought they had millions of dollars worth of yeah. one coin and they had nothing at all. And to be honest, this is called a crypto scam and everyone called it a crypto scam and we called it, you know, the missing crypto queen because she called herself the crypto queen. But really, it's it's actually just an old fashioned pyramid scam. Right. But you're using a fake cryptocurrency as the product. I mean, did you did, did your was your mum ever a um, like an Avon lady or a Tupperware? Because my mum used to sell Avon products. Ah. I mean, do you remember that stuff? You had you get your and friends around. Avon is makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. The there's one. Avon. Yeah. There's Amway. There's lots yeah. of these multi-level marketing yeah. schemes, yes. aren't there? Where yes. there seems to be so much pressure to recruit more people to go underneath you, yes. um, rather than actually you know the product selling because it's a good product so that's mm. the that's the kind of the definition difference is that if if you've got a product to sell and it's a kind of real physical thing and you can make your money that way that's legal it's there's nothing illegal about it and um, yes it's it's a controversial way of selling because of the pressure that you're under to sell to yep. your friends and family but it's not illegal and so avon and amway they're legal companies but if you've got no product but you're selling in this kind of you sell to your friends and then they sell to mm. their friends and you build a pyramid beneath you and the bigger the pyramid gets the more profit you make because you get these commissions all the time then that becomes an illegal pyramid scam and that's really what one coin was it was an old-fashioned pyramid scam but using all the hype of cryptocurrencies and especially bitcoin to make people think they were buying something that was not only useful bit of makeup or tupperware but a cryptocurrency that's going to keep going up in value. I mean, what could be more perfect? Yeah. You don't have to have your garage full of Tupperware. So when I was listening, though, I was kind of thinking, why Why are people actually buying into this when she's saying 100x? Do you think, because you've talked to so many of them. Yeah. Did you feel it made reasonable sense when you heard their reasons to believe or did you think they drank the crypto Kool-Aid and were just in love with her? There's a bit of that, but... Think about it this way as well. What returns were people making on Bitcoin? Yeah. So when she turns up and says, you're going to make a 100% because you're 1,000% or whatever, they look at Bitcoin and they hear the story about someone who spent 10,000 Bitcoin on a pizza or whatever it was. And whatever that, you know, those stories, I, mm. I invested uh, $5 in Bitcoin in 2010 and now I'm a millionaire. So, so. <laughs> or there's the guy who invested loads on a computer, threw the computer in a Welsh dump somewhere, realized yeah. he'd become a gazillionaire, and then tried to pay the council to find his <laughs> Exactly. So these insane returns don't seem that insane because they've happened. And so, but she, mm. she was also very, very credible. I mean, they weren't targeting Bitcoin specialists, they weren't targeting the blockchain experts, they were targeting ordinary people who maybe had read an article in the newspaper about these Bitcoin millionaires and thought, oh, 
I have a very big question here that occurred to me while I was listening to the podcast repeatedly. Mm. How was it possible, do you think, that magazines like The Economist mm -hmm. and others of huge repute would not have done due diligence to actually find out if she actually was worth all that? She did have a PhD. I, I remember you doing the yeah. research on that. Yeah. yeah. Was it really that much of a smokescreen or did they, did people fail in doing any digging, do you think? Oh, that's a, that's a good question and a tough one to answer because there were slightly different things she did, but she was very, very good at, at, at sounding extremely believable to people. And she'd take, right. she'd take little clips and little bits of media coverage she'd had and package them all up, taking advantage maybe of some people's laziness to present such a believable image that she was the next Steve Jobs. I mean, mm. she appeared on what looked like the cover of Forbes magazine. Go online and there's a picture of her on Forbes yep. magazine. Front cover, like this amazing, you know, Nick Zuckerberg's on there and Jobs is on there and Buffett and all that. And then there she is and you think, wow. Now, actually what that was, was a paid advertisement in a local Forbes Bulgarian franchise. <laughs> Revolting. Which... <laughs> Come on, Carol, we've all done that. <laughs> which, in Bulgarian, said paid advertisement in... Oh. in but, but no one... I mean, who reads Bulgarian apart from you Bulgarian? You are kidding me! So she took that and she sent that all around the world. I met people in Uganda that had invested their life savings into this because they saw her on what they thought was the front cover of Forbes magazine. Now, yeah. the question, I suppose, then is, well... Why does a local Bulgarian franchise of Forbes magazine, why do they do adverts that look identical to the front cover? Hmm. But that's a, I don't know. I can't answer that. But then The Economist, yes, she spoke at an Economist event in yeah. Bulgaria. Oh, again um, in Bulgaria. You see, even in my Bulgaria. research subsequently after listening to the podcast, right, I did not notice those. I basically I probably did an image search on her and then saw all the covers yeah. and didn't question them. Well, yes. the thing is, she appears there. Yeah, exactly. She appears there. And I think you think to yourself, well, I'm sure they would have checked. And I think yeah. everyone's thinking everyone else is checking. But from the economist perspective, what they would probably say is, look, this was a legal company. It was operating in Bulgaria. She, she won the Bulgarian Businesswoman of the Year Award in 2014. I mean, who organized that? I don't know. How legitimate <laughs> was that? I don't know. But you look at that and you think, okay. So that seems fine to me, then we'll, uh, we'll have her as a speaker. And so what, but what she did was every time someone didn't quite do the due diligence they might have done or relied on someone else's research, she'd build that into her profile. And that would mean the next people who should check would say, oh, the economist checks, so that's fine. So when Tom Jones sang at her birthday party in 2016... <laughs> Yes, he probably his advisor. Crypto Queen. No, well, no, no, that's Neil that's Neil Diamond. That's Neil Diamond Crow, yes. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the green, green grass of Bulgaria yes, yes, yes. is the one we should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> so she, <laughs> she got the wrong guy. So yeah. Just so yeah, just like you. Tom Jones' advisor probably looked in and said, Well, she's been on the cover of Forbes, yeah. and she's uh, the economy. Yeah, you Come on, search. if you're the manager for Tom Jones, you're not even going to do that. You're just going to say, someone's come along with a whole load of cash, Tom. 
<laughs> you don't have to wash your hair. Get yourself to Bucharest. They're a legal company. They exist. They function legally right. in Bulgaria. So what's the problem? Exactly. That, I think, that's a real thing in, of our age. In a way, we could say that all of us do that. You can go onto LinkedIn and you'll see everyone yes. exaggerating their achievements, using, you, you know, speak, getting invited <laughs> yeah, to a... I'm not, call, I'm not saying you two. Oh, I do. <laughs> yeah. But everyone does it's it. It's a point to some of contention. Extent. Everyone does it, don't they? And you, you, you do a little you do a little talk somewhere. You get invited to do a talk and the people organising it are busy. Or maybe you get invited to come on a podcast or go on the TV and every the producers are busy and stressed and then you clip that up and then you show that to everyone and then they get you on next time because you've been on this program and you build up like that. Are you a fraud, Jamie? I'm just going to check. <laughs> Is this really, Jamie? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've been joking about this, but it, it, it's really so sad hearing some of the stories of people. That there's a woman who you spoke to who was, was a fervent believer in OneCoin, and you, you actually play a recording of someone who was a sceptic uh, arguing with her for ages, and she's now turned around, and she's now like formed this support group for people who've lost money but that it's, was delicious audio that but segment it, that it's whole almost bit was just i mean beautiful i had a friend who joined a religious cult and listening to some of the uh, the episodes of the missing crypto queen really reminded me of that cult-like fervor of there's nothing which dr ruja can have done wrong and for yeah. you to question her means that you're you know we have to close you off we can't speak to you because you're just spreading lies just like the bbc are spreading lies about one coin yeah they came back to us and said you know you propaganda fake news all of that stuff and the the um one of the most insightful interviews i did for this was someone who didn't know much about one coin at all but had specialized in religious new religious movements and cults and she had so she was a professor oh, from eileen, the london, barker. Yeah. eileen barker from the london school of economics yeah. and so insightful about describing some of the behaviours of mm. supporters of OneCoin. So, so I said, I, I said to her, surely when Dr. Ruja vanishes in 2017, the believers, the people that really bought into OneCoin, would start to question, mm. is this all it's, she said it was? And Eileen Barker said, you don't understand. She, yeah. she has your money. Once you've invested your money, and once you believe this is going to change the world. You can find a reason for this. She's disappeared. Yeah, she's because got you by the short and curlies, right? You like don't you're want kind of... to admit it because yeah. it's very hard to admit you've been fooled. And mm. people would rather, would rather, you put your reputation into this, you put your money into this, you put years of your life into this sometimes. And you would rather find a reason why she's disappeared that's uh, because she's... Uh, She's gone into hiding because the banks are going to take her down and the governments are scared of her, but she'll be back soon. It's mm. easier psychologically for you to do that. And I, and I sort of, yeah, it was right. It, it started to sound a bit more like a, a religious movement, really, than an investment yeah. opportunity. Yes. But you know what? This is, the, this is one of the awkward things about OneCoin. It, sometimes when you listen to the legitimate crypto enthusiasts, they also have the same kind of, fervor, you know, Bitcoin. You can't criticize yeah. Bitcoin. This is the greatest thing ever. Mm. And so there are similarities in one coin to lots of different movements as well, you know, different behaviors that we all have. That's what I enjoyed about it as a story. I thought it said something about society as a whole. Now, while you were recording this, when were you most shit scared? <laughs> well, yeah, there's some scary moments. I didn't know if it was kind of dramatized a bit or because, but I felt it. I felt it. Um, 
Well, first thing is, to be honest, there are people like that Jen McAdam, the Scottish woman, and Tim, mm. Tim Curry, who mm-hmm. was the person she argued with, who was a sceptic, yeah. who've been calling out OneCoin since late... To, well, it's, Tim Curry's been saying about this since late 2015, and it's much scarier for them than it is for me when I turn up with the BBC and I've got these lawyers and I've got, you know, all of that stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't think I was ever as scared as, it, as they might have been doing this. Mm-hmm. But the probably the, the scariest bit was going into the um, anyone who's not listened to this podcast won't will think this is ridiculous. But going into the beauty pageant, yes, <laughs> I don't. I know that will sound a bit I of know, a just, tangent. Yeah, it's a good teaser. It was yeah. a truly surreal moment in the podcast. I have to say, it really was. It really was, and, and we didn't know at that point. It was quite early on in our investigation. We didn't really know what we were dealing with. We'd heard mm. that there's possible involvement of you know, dark shadowy forces, organised crime groups, who knows really who's behind one coin. And then we bowled up to an event, um, the first cryptocurrency beauty pageant organised by one coin, <laughs> basically talked our way in and then sat yeah. there in the corner with a really big microphone with everyone sort of staring at us thinking, what on earth have we got ourselves into here? But mm. we just felt like we had to... Yeah, we had to go, but we it was at one of those moments where you think it's a great idea on paper and you're like, Yeah, yeah, brilliant, let's do it, amazing. And then you get there and think, Oh god, what are we doing here? Yeah, and then but now we gotta get stand up and walk out without anyone noticing. <laughs> yeah. It was weird, yeah, it was very weird. Was it exhausting though? Was it was the pace of doing the show exhausting? Because you guys travel all over the place, or how long did you Yeah, how does something like this start, Jamie? Did you come up with the idea of the podcast, or were you approached, or what Here's the weirdest thing about it, Um, and it was exhausting, by the way, because the story kind of unfolded as we were doing it, and and some podcasts, because you obviously Mm. got, like, your podcasts, and then, which are, sort of, they go over several years. Well, you're on 100 episode 158, is it? Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Wow. So... But then you've got the ones that are just eight episodes on one story, which is which mm. is obviously this one. And they're, they're quite different, even though they're both called podcasts, aren't they, and what they're about yes. and how they are structured and everything. But some of the people that make those podcasts, they make all of them, and then they release them week by week. But they're already made. They're all finished. They're all done, legal and checked. and But they're just slowly releasing them for detention. But we were making each one as we were going. So cool. Because I'm we, so glad to hear that that was And you real. were getting feedback from listeners, weren't you, and leads and things. It was astonishing. Yeah, yeah. well, that's what we knew would happen because we realised just how big this story was. And we thought mm. when we release episode one and two, um, people are going to come back at us. One coin's going to come back at us. Uh, investors are going to come up with stories. Maybe listeners will have spotted Dr. Rouger and will phone us up. So <laughs> we thought we can't make them all. We made some of them, obviously, but we, we couldn't make them all. We left a lot of gaps. And, and in each episode, we were changing them sometimes right up to literally a couple oh, of hours before they were published. That heavenly in a bit, though, because it's quite fun. You, know, you so must. Did you, suffer, <laughs> did you suffer, though, after you finished, after you kind of put out your last episode? Did you have a bit of paradise syndrome, you know, where you're kind of yeah. like, oh, what do I do with myself now? Of course, what, what? yeah. And I used to get that when I used to do exams and stuff. You'd look forward to the moment it was over. And then the, the minute it was <laughs> over, you, you don't know what to do yeah. with yourself. But, I mean, me and Georgia who's the producer, yeah, she, who's in it quite a lot. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, and high five to her for all the yes. production. Amazing. Oh, incredible, mm. incredible stuff. Yeah, and, um, really great. She was so great to work with. And But we would be we'd be up at 6 a.m. on the phone to each other and then midnight in bed be phoning each other, what's, you know, what's the date? And then suddenly... <laughs> See, Graham, it's not just us. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it, it, it really was. But I mean, the thing is, for those who've listened, they'll know that maybe there are bits of the story that haven't quite fully finished. And so yes. it's... Uh, we, we, let's is there going to be another let, one? Come let's on. just say we, we're still talking basically every day. But you're talking seriously, right? Yeah. We're talking yeah. every day all the time. We, I mean, the thing about it is, though, and the, those people that have followed this story will understand this, it gets very weirdly addictive. You know, you become <laughs> obsessed with this woman and every weekend you're just, you know, what's the latest? Has there been a thing? And look at these videos. And are you when you go around home base, are you are you sort of looking down the aisles just thinking, could that be? <laughs> yeah, because that's where she'd be hanging out. <laughs> she'd be buying some doorknobs. Funny. Down at home base, I mean, which doesn't, I don't think, exist anymore, uh, is it? Funny you should say that, but I did spot Jeremy Corbyn in my local home base the other day. So, Well, but, of course he's there. <laughs> he hasn't got anything else to do. But, <laughs> that was a while ago now, actually. But um, someone did tell me that they'd seen her in London uh, recently uh, and swore that it was her. And I've, I've well, been getting a lot of people telling me they've seen her all over. So, you know what? I, do, I personally do keep an eye open. You know why? Because I was told by someone... That she's she's so um, brazen about what she does that she would have found out where I go and where I work, and she'd probably drive by me just to see what I look like. Do you think she might have perhaps sociopathic tendencies, perhaps? Because she, it wasn't her first show at the rodeo, was it? No, it wasn't. No, and um, just so. To, to, Graham, to answer your question, you said how did it come about? Just so oh, I think, because I because it's quite interesting that. that Georgia was approached by someone, one of her friend's friends, who was ah. in a pub going on about it, saying, oh, I've found this amazing new cryptocurrency. You, you know, this is amazing. I'm going to make loads of money. She started looking into it and thought, this is weird. Phoned me huh. up because she knew I'd covered these stories in the past and said, have you ever heard of OneCoin? And the thing is, I said, no. She said, oh, that's funny because it's a cryptocurrency where there's been billions of dollars invested. And I said, no, that's impossible. I'd know about it. Because I, you know, I, I wrote yeah. a book about the dark net in 2014, and I really covered cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin, yeah. and I'd never heard of it, and it, and it was so weird because the whole of the crypto world it kind of passed them by because they look, they looked at it and just thought this is a Ponzi scheme, this is a pyramid scam, this is nothing to do right. with us. So they ignored it, and the mainstream press looked at it and thought, oh, this is a cryptocurrency story. That's for them, those crypto specialists to huh. look at. And it kind of was just missed by everyone. And then they get on the cover of Bulgarian Forbes and we all... Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's almost like an echo chamber thing. I bet they were making a lot of noise. Do you know if they were doing any investment in like social media ads and that sort of thing to try and target particular victims? That's a good question. I, 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 I don't know if they were running social media ads. Well, they may not have been, but of course the people who are trying to recruit other people, yes. yeah, exactly. they were probably the ones wasting their money giving it to Facebook and Twitter or whatever, trying to get more OneCoin. And the truth is, OneCoin is still going, right? Are there still people out there who still believe in it? This is what makes the story so fascinating. There's a lot of people that still believe in it. In fact, yeah. a handful of them posted a picture the other day from the OneCoin head office in Sofia. They're still going. They're still denying they're a scam. People are still investing all the time yeah. in this because not everyone listens to the BBC's podcast. So how are they going to... And if they well, do... One, well, what fools! Don't worry, don't worry. We've got the rest of them. If the BBC played this, we've got the rest. And then one coin people, even if you did listen to it, you'd say, oh, yeah, well, guess what? BBC's fake news because they're scared yeah. of the crypto revolution. So you can't... 
it's so difficult to change people's minds. Yeah. With it. Um, and what's really annoying is that not only is their money tied in, but people have made a lot of cash because, because they're selling a kind of uh, education plan and they're getting money back. Yeah, this is what people think that everyone lost out who put money in, yeah. but that's not true because it's a pyramid exactly. scam. Uh, yeah. People at the top of the pyramid were making loads of money. We interviewed one guy who was making over a million dollars a month selling one coin. Because he's so you get a ten percent commission if, on every package you sell to people, and you'd you, you'd sell a package for five thousand euros, you know, five thousand yeah. euros worth of one coin, and you get ten percent. And then if yeah. they sell, and then their friends sell, and then your pyramid gets bigger, then you get like it gets very. The only thing more complicated than cryptocurrencies and blockchains is multi-level marketing compensation schemes. <laughs> like, honestly, yeah. it's like you get a matching boat. Like you have the you, you have uh, a strong leg and a weak leg, and you get sales volume per week, and then your weak leg is deducted from your strong leg, and what's left over, you're paid out a percentage of that, and forty percent in real money, sixty percent in one coin, that kind of thing. So people at the top who are near the top of the pyramid, they were making lots of money, but then of course most pyramid schemes they nearly everyone loses out it's yeah. only those who got in early it's just it's a mind-boggling experience mm. even to listen to and to imagine and it's still going there's a you're just reminding me of this podcast remember that the shrink next door Graham? Oh, and yes. it was about this guy yes. who had um, basically had fooled his patient into basically taking over his life but literally the whole idea is like 20 years people just snowed and People can believe anything, can't they? It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. But, I, but then there's a lot of things that happen in reality that are pretty crazy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. didn't Elon Musk just, you know, release a crazy-ass <laughs> car? You know? I mean, oh, that's insane, isn't it? Well, Jamie, it's an incredible podcast. Well done for putting it together. It's you. been an extraordinary story. I mean, we've only really sort of dipped our toe into it. I think we'd strongly recommend listeners to our show go and check out the missing crypto queen you will not be disappointed and i i really hope there are more developments in the story i've seen some in the news but uh, i'm sure there are probably a few more episodes of the missing crypto queen to come yeah and if our listeners if you happen to spot her <laughs> anywhere maybe not just report it to jamie but take a picture and send it over <laughs> please please yeah, do. just just for a bit of photo evidence <laughs> please yes it's the case is still open <laughs> Beautiful. I am still here. I'm never going to stop. <laughs> never going to stop. I don't care whether the BBC pays me anymore. I'm just going to keep going. Jamie, I see. I love your obsession. Can we be friends? Can I check in occasionally and just go, how's it going? Are you alive? <laughs> I think this will be. I think this is something that's going to stay with you for 20, 30 years. I'm not Aww. suggesting it'll be a – of course, you're going to do other exciting and interesting things, but it feels like something yeah. which – is going to be there, a bit like background radiation all the time <laughs> until this woman right. is imprisoned. I think you're right. And, you know, the weird thing is if, she, if she's caught and extradited and goes to prison, there'll be a certain, I would never say sadness because this is what <laughs> she needs. And for this thing to really finally stop, her being sentenced would, would help. But there'll be a small bit of me that will miss the search for her when that happens. Well, you could go visit her in prison. <laughs> oh, I will. Yeah, it would help. But of course, there have been cult members in the past where the leader has been imprisoned and people just carry on believing, don't they? Well, that's true. That's true. You know, every time I think, every time I thought, because I thought what happened uh, two weeks ago was that the brother of Ruzia yep. Ignatov, a Konstantin Ignatov, was, um, he was arrested in March 2019 because he took over OneCoin when she disappeared. And he 
admitted two weeks ago or three weeks ago in a US court, he pleaded guilty to multiple counts of fraud in connection with one coin as part of a plea agreement. And I thought this, finally, this is the moment that one coin dies. And it, but it's still going. Yeah. Fascinating, isn't it? Totally. Kroll, I think we should move on, shall we? Kroll, what have you got for us? How are you going to follow that? Yeah, okay, I'll follow this. No problem. <laughs> Tell us your brilliant story from the world of computer security and privacy. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Oh. <laughs> well, it's not from computer security, Graham. Um, I don't know if you know this, but in a few days' time, on the day that this podcast is made available to the world, it is election day in the UK. Yes, it is. And I don't know how you guys feel about it, but it's a pretty scary event for me. I mean, uh, there are a lot of people out there who want a better UK, but are stumped as to how to get it. And the thing is, this UK election has been racing ahead at a clip that makes like people like Ben Johnson's 100 metres time look positively you know, slow. You should compare it with Boris Johnson's 100 metre time, I think. Uh, see, see, <laughs> is, it, is that quite see, fast? <laughs> see how they compete. Maybe that's how we should decide mm-hmm. elections in future. Just get the different leaders, give them a 100-metre race and see who wins. I mean, I think that'd be fair, <laughs> wouldn't it? Are you guys feeling at all uneasy about it? Or you already know what you're doing and it's all cool? Or? Uh, well, I know what I'm doing in my constituency. I know who I'm voting for. And I, I'm, I'm fairly confident that that person's going to win. But uh, Oh, right. So you're just going with the well, flow. No, uh, well, it's... Where where I live, it's um, it's fairly easy choice. I'm a little bit worried about what the overall outcome is going to be, though. It's it's a weird position to find yourself actually hoping for a hung parliament um, <laughs> rather than anyone to win. But uh, that's the oh, no. You see, a hung parliament would be read as the the people's the people have spoken and they've said they're quite happy with more hung with, parliament. Well, so carry on. Out, out of the options at the moment, <laughs> I think I probably am, but. <laughs> Oh, as weak as possible. Yeah, I, I haven't. You know what? I, I mean, I still haven't really decided what I'm going to do. You know, I thought I decided yesterday, and now I'm doing this story. I was like, oh god. I'll chat to you after the show, Carol, and I'll tell you what to do if you're in any doubt. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no, and I'll just do what you say. <laughs> now, okay, so basically, but you know what? It's not just our politics. World politics are a bit scary these days, thanks to things like flipping fake news and the fact that so many a content provider out there says they're not responsible for what is pushed out on their sites. But sometimes on these sites, there are some juicy truths that get through as well, right? So just because there's a lot of fake crappy stuff out there doesn't mean there's not a few gems once in a while. Agree? Okay, yeah, agreed. of course. Yeah, agreed. You've got to find them, but they're out there. Okay. Just for you know, anyone outside the UK, why would you bother following the UK elections, right? So high-level facts, Graham, you're much more okay Am on this okay. stuff than I am. So if I forget anything, you just jump in and no, interrupt no me pressure. you would normally. <laughs> okay. We've got crackpot media buffoon Boris Johnson, our current prime minister. Yes. He's up for the he's up yes. for the post, and we have testy faux leather elbow patch Jeremy Corbyn. I'm sure they're faux leather, and that's basically the two main players. Would you agree? Uh, uh, of the yes, of the people who are likely to become prime minister, th- those are the most likely um, hmm. by far. I'd yes. say, according you know? to the opinion polls, yes. Yes, and we all know we can trust those 100%. One of the big issues that they're debating is the UK National Health Service, a beautiful system which is getting a lot of heat. Listeners that don't really understand, it's like a loved system 
But for the last decade, the system has been smacked with austerity and it has less money for services, staff and equipment, and it's kind of hobbling along right now. Yeah, I think it'd be fair to say most of the population considers it very much loved, uh, um, but it's also considered vastly under-resourced. It's particularly now. I mean, we did have a little time of austerity, which was timed with a huge uptick of aging population. So that was a really smart thing to do because, mm-hmm. of course, micro cracks might become huge wounds. A lot of situation. NHS workers come from Europe, which we uh, appear to be detaching ourselves from as well, which could be a challenge as well going right. forward. Fun times in the UK as well right now. During the recent debate between these two uh, party candidates, Corbyn and Bojo, they were discussing the NHS. And during this debate, Corbyn reveals a heavily redacted 451-page document, you know, his aha moment. And he says that the document proves that U.S. negotiations were hoping to secure, quote, full access, unquote, to Britain's health sector as part of a bilateral trade deal. Yep. What? Right? This is a big deal. And Corbyn said that Labour had obtained official documents which showed uh, that this would be the case, that, that, that the U.S. is demanding that the NHS will be on the table in talks in a post-Brexit trade deal. So lots of people are thinking, this must be fake news, this must be fake, what's, what's going on, this is a bit weird. But it turned out that perhaps it wasn't fake news. Johnson replied to this, you know, puffed up, you know, his chest as only he knows how. <laughs> ruffled his hair and uh, said this is an absolute invention uh, this is completely untrue puff 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 stammer Under stammer no circumstance <laughs> yeah maybe we should link to stammer time just for those who haven't seen it go look at the show notes there's a little cute easter egg for all of you there under no circumstances whatever will this government or any conservative government put the nhs on the table in a trade negotiation our nhs will never be for sale Okay, so you're thinking, okay, bravo, this must be a storm in the teacup. But what's this document, right? And Labour are staying totally shtum about where they got it from. Johnson, of course, is demanding to know the source of the leak. It's a bit similar to the whole Trump stance on the whistleblower, right? You know, with the Ukraine Zelensky case. But whilst all this is going on, they didn't get a lot of time to play that game because Reddit came forward last Friday confirming that an unredacted document was uploaded as part of a campaign that has been reported as originating from Russia. Russia again? Yeah. They're really becoming the bogeyman in this episode, aren't they? (laughs) But what's interesting is you think, okay, Russia, this is all fake news, fake news, fake news. It's being branded in in a lot of the media that I saw today, and there's the ones you'll see in the show notes, as a Russian disinformation campaign. Mm Mm-hmm. And while Johnson has denied Labour's accusation that the NHS will be carved up, it does seem that the document is actually genuine. So what you're saying that the document does appear to have genuinely been leaked from the government? Well, the government, yes, but not by the government. No, no. Via this a Russian, a Russian sidestep. Potentially. So, uh, so your theory or the, the, the feeling is that maybe the Russians have deliberately distributed this on Reddit in order to meddle with the election chances of either Corbyn or Johnson. Oh, don't take my word for it. Let me tell you what Reddit said in a statement. Okay. Right? They said its investigation had found a pattern of coordination between the now banned accounts on its site and a Russian campaign uncovered by Facebook earlier this year. 
And they said this group provides us with an important attribution for the recent posting of the leaked UK documents, the ones we're talking about, as well as insights into how adversaries are adapting their tactics. As a result of the investigation, we're banning 61 accounts under our policies against vote manipulation and misuse of the platform. So basically... Reddit, the social network, suspects that Russian operatives were behind the leak of sensitive trade data, likely with the intention of impacting the UK's general election campaign. Right. Yeah. Now, Because they want a particular side to win? I don't think anyone knows at this stage, other than the cause mm. crazyola, right? I'm sure that'll all come out in the wash. It just adds, though, to the general uncertainty amongst the the population, isn't it? As to you can't know anything. No. You can't trust any piece of information because you're always trying to second guess, well, why has that information come out? And is what has been reported actually true? Or is there some sort of undercurrent of mischief making which is going on? What's amazing about this, right? I mean, it's like no politicians have heard of Reddit. I mean, but this is probably the first time 95% of MPs even know what Reddit is. <laughs> Imagine what other true. amazing things are on there for them to learn about. <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of stuff on there. They just spend five minutes scrolling through Reddit. They'll find things they didn't blow their minds. Oh, there are cat memes. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. But the thing is about the whole story, like the, the way I see it, is that um, the, 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 the Russian tactics, which have been evolving over quite a few years now, have really focused on leaked, strategic leaked documents, mm. you know, not not making things up because that's maybe risky or doesn't work so well. But right. there's a lot of ways you can get leaked. There's a lot of ways you can find documents, a lot of weak points in society. You know, mm. like political parties have terrible security and they send all sorts of very sensitive material amongst themselves, <laughs> as we saw in the US yeah. election with the famous yeah. Clinton emails. Like, There's a lot of weak points in a democracy that aren't well defended. Well, in any bureaucracy. In yeah. any bureaucracy. And so mm. as a journalist, I know that nothing works quite so well as adding the word leaked to something, even if it's <laughs> not leaked. But if you say leaked, it sounds really exclusive, even though it's been on Reddit for weeks. <laughs> Add the word leaked to it, and suddenly it's an exclusive. Everyone starts talking about it. And if you're the Russians, very easy probably to get hold of a document that was a you know, trade envoy's discussion. I'm sure there's all sorts of people that had that and didn't have amazing security. And you're right. I don't think the purpose is necessarily to get one side elected or another. It's just to make everyone confused and angry, disagreeing, bitter. Nothing can be trusted uh, because that weakens the resolve of countries that you might consider to be yes. your enemies and it's very yep. very cheap it's yeah. so cheap to do this i mean it's like could have been one person did this the, in a day the irony of the whole thing though really right is that it went up on reddit but it caught hardly any traffic at all but somehow it ends up in there in the labor camp right and you must they must have just been the cow that got the cream like the cow the cow that got the, the cream. cow gives cows the cream. And, uh, what are cows doing now <laughs> That's almost like a cannibalistic, um, <laughs> the cat that got the cream, right? Because they must have been reading it and going, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's so juicy. You know, and fair play to them. They did reject it before they went on national television yeah. with it. So we didn't have anyone with micro cameras going in and trying to find out <laughs> some secret information. 
Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But the whole idea here is they're basically saying, so Corbyn's saying, look, you're trying to sell off the NHS in some way post-Brexit. Johnson's saying, no, 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 no. And, you know, I have this document to prove it. And they're like, pish, pash, push. Who gave you this document? And uh, he's now gone a bit quiet now. So there's no, there's no contesting saying this is absolutely fake from the Conservative Party that I could find. But what is a little bit interesting is that last July, mm-hmm. there was news items or murmurings that Amazon – we're going to get uh, – we're partnering with the NHS to stream the health service advice via Alexa, right? Which mm. all this information is already available online, but using voice. So what do – you, do you mean like NHS Direct? So they have that website yeah. where I can go and I can say, I've got a paper cut. And you go through a sort of flow chart exactly. and it eventually tells go, me to go N-A-N-E or something or you're having a heart attack. So I would be able to say that to Alexa instead, say, I've stubbed my toe or I've got a pain in my groin. What should I do? Or you'd say, what are the symptoms of this? How right. do I treat this? Right? Okay. All right. Yeah. You know. Cures. So that's the deal that the Amazon are trying to do with the NHS or NHS trying to do with Amazon. But this week, it seems that responses to freedom of information requests published by the Sunday Times, showed that the contract will also allow Amazon access to information on symptoms, causes, and definitions of conditions. So basically all relatable, copyrightable content and data and other materials is going to be shared with Amazon. Now, not patient data. Okay, I have brackets here at this time, right? But no patient data uh, is currently being shared. And, you know, they've made a lot of statements on the NHS website about the great security measures they have in place to stop that sort of thing. So there's a little ray of sunshine there. I'm sure everything will be fine. But the the thing that's kind of shocking is that they didn't get any, they didn't get any payback. So this is basically being offered to Amazon for free, right? So the UK is considered a world leader in compartmentalizing and basically organizing all this huge wealth of health information. And it's now been shared with one of the richest, well, the richest man in the world's company. Is it that NHS are going to give all kinds of data to Amazon to process and do data mangling on? Or, Whatever they like, Or yes. is this an Alexa deal where you can speak to a database and get information on your symptoms? So in July, it was presented as a, hey, we're partnering with Amazon to give you some Alexa. Yes. But... A recent Freedom of Information request revealed, right, and this was published by the Sunday Times, that the the contract between Amazon and NHS was much, much bigger than we all originally thought. And they're not just going to be giving power to Alexa to be able to help people, but they're also sharing with Amazon information on symptoms, causes, definitions, conditions, basically this huge, huge, huge copyrightable database of health information. Can I be devil's advocate for one moment? Which is that... The NHS obviously needs lots of processing power and probably wants to make use of big data and, you know, rightly or wrongly, thinks that that would help people uh, live fuller and healthier lives. That's, that's certainly what, the conservative's view, yeah. Well, okay, I know, I'm just, like I said, the devil's advocate. Um, but, <laughs> but, oh, the Labour if, Party will do this as well. We know that. They will. They will, because it will yeah. offer savings. It will, we're struggling with an ageing population, like, uh, and, and, there, and it, there, it, there will be great benefits to patients from sharing all this data, right. won't there? That's and, sure. And my, my question really is, okay, so you're highlighting this and saying, oh, this isn't a big concern. Well, what big technology companies could they partner with who aren't American? 
You know, it's not like there's a UK company who can decide to do all this data mangling for you, is there? All the, all the powerhouses mm. are over there. Uh, all, all the signs are that the, the, one of the next big growth areas in digital technology is going to be health data, and mm-hmm. and and the NHS holds what must be must be the best data set of databases about people's health in mm. anywhere in the world. So all the yep. all the big tech we've got. Decades, I would hope people's entire lives have been datafied on the NHS. Amazing stuff. And when we start processing that, the amazing findings and things to learn and preventative things we can we can take on board. So you've got to think that all the big technology companies are going to be desperate to get their hands on this data, which worries me a great deal. I I think that the the if the UK is going to develop a really healthy and competitive tech sector, it's going to be in health data it's going to be in health apps it's going to be in the next sort of wave of um, diagnosis tools and stuff and we have to invest in uk-based companies to be able to do that rather than just outsourcing it to Mm. the big to the big players who've already got all the processing power i agree you know that privatization we've seen it here in the uk with lots of things trains everything you know privatization is a is a very delicate operation and I think it needs to be approached very cautiously. And right now, both sides are denying that there's any privatization going on. But I, I think you're probably right. There's no other way to maintain it without the, you know, the rich funds of, of, the, of the private sector. We should probably do it. We should do all this stuff because of the benefits. But it's going to have to be so carefully regulated that you're going to want it to be with a company that's, I mean, maybe it's a public-private partnership company. Maybe it's a company that the government owns some proportion of the shares in or but a company based here at the very least would be forced to follow very strict UK based regulations and so you you'd just be able to control a bit better how that data was used maybe we need to nationalize amazon and google and some of these companies just in their UK operations Maybe that'll be on the manifesto next time. Very, very, very happy story from me. I have no idea what my end result is other than say... um, (laughs) Time for sponsors. Yeah. It was... (laughs) That's what's been on my mind this week. Excellent. Don't you love a win-win situation? Imagine if you could have both enterprise-wide password management with single sign-on. What is single sign-on? Well, Graham, let me dazzle you. Single Sign-On is designed to connect employees to high-priority apps, all without needing the user to log in at every single hurdle. Now, by combining these two services, our friends at LastPass may have just revolutionized security at the enterprise level. Learn more at lastpass.com forward slash smashing. Don't need to say the forward slash. And welcome back. Can you join us on our favourite part of the show? The part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Do I say that as well? Yeah, Pick of the Week. Beautiful. <laughs> Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. Doesn't have to be security related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my pick of the week this week is not really security related, although it it is a problem sometimes you might encounter at a security conference. Because I don't know if any of you have encountered the issue of smelly armpits and bad body odour. 
I mean, that's <laughs> well, not just something you get at security conferences. I mean, yeah, Graham, we don't hang out that much anymore, so it's not been so much of a problem. Hasn't been so much of an issue. Well, I have to say, just recently, I was saying to my my lovely wife, I was saying, you know, you know, I've noticed that I I seem to be a bit stinky. I thought, and I'd go away and I'd wash my armpits and I'd come back and I'd say, I'm still stinking. What on earth is going on? And oh, you haven't heard about deodorant? So, is this what this is? Please. And so, for some reason, it wasn't working. And I thought, this is a bit funny. And I saw a tweet written by a hairy, uh, a rather, <laughs> well, you may know him, actually, Rick Ferguson, who works, he's a, he's a, I know Rick he's a long-haired, heavy metal kind of chap who works as a cybersecurity he's expert a trend. He's a dude. And um, he was recommending, he said that his life had been transformed by a different method of cleaning his armpits <laughs> and it's called nude n-u-u-d oh christ okay so you're gonna run around naked no now, no 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 and no, that's no, now no, gonna no, keep no, your no. armpits all clean this is this weird little you get this weird little tube of stuff and you you squirt out a tiny little pea size of it and you sort of you you just you just rub it into your armpits crawl and here's the wonder here's the here's the wonderful thing is okay. that you don't have to do anything again for like four or five or maybe a Five days or so. Sorry? You don't have to do anything anymore. What do you mean? You don't have to shower. Well, you, you can shower. Are you putting this all down your crotch? No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> Are you just wiping out? You slather? Are you bathing in this stuff? Is that what's going on? It's like a I, wet wipe. I, it's like a wet wipe I, for adults. No, no. It's, it's, I'm purely using it on my armpits. I am showering out every other part of me. And you can still shower your armpits, should you wish to. All right. No, keep my arms down. It's but, like when you have stinky armpits and you always have your elbows glued un- to your side. Unlike other ways of dealing with your armpits, it doesn't have aluminium and petrochemicals and all kinds of nasty stuff. It's all natural. And um, all I can tell you is it really works. And according to Mrs. Cluley, at least, she says, I don't stink at all anymore. Oh, really? Are you back in the, uh, in the old so- <laughs> So, uh, so my pick of the week this week, and thank you, Rick, for mentioning it on Twitter, because that inspired me to give it a try, is Nude, N-U-U-D. Links in the show notes. We're not getting a commission. Maybe we should. Maybe they should have a multi- multi-level marketing. Well, yeah, maybe I'm now part of his pyramid. Who knows? Dear. <laughs> Um, Jamie, what's your pick of the week? Oh, mine seems really boring now, but I read an amazingly interesting article in the New York Times about um, this guy called Anthony Carmelo, right? He's standing trial at the moment in Staten Island because he shot and killed uh, a top gangster called Francesco Carli. Now, the thing is, it seems that this uh, this uh, young man, he's only 25, is Anthony Carmelo. It seems that he was really obsessed with these weird online far-right conspiracy theories like QAnon. Oh. Have you heard of that one? That QAnon? Oh, yeah, my goodness. Yeah, These yeah, things that yeah. are spreading all over the internet. I've spent quite a lot of time studying conspiracy theories in the past. Mm. They're very interesting things, and it's, I suppose, sort of related to one coin in a way. Mm. Like you create these information bubbles and nothing can break through. But the interesting thing about this is that his lawyer is basically claiming that um, because he believed in these conspiracy theories, he's he's kind of pleading insanity. And the question oh. that the the question that the New York Times asks is, and it says that this will become a big issue in the future, is at what point does belief in a far right conspiracy theory make you legally insane? <laughs> and that is what the court will be discuss will be considering. 
Isn't that weird, though? I mean, but it's kind of... So weird. Yeah. Maybe it's a question the Senate should be questioning to ask themselves soon as well. But... And, you know, presumably you could do it for the far left as well. So basically, if you're not within the, you know, the Acceptable middle bounds... Acceptable bounds of... Yeah, you could be locked up. Or you could cl- well, you could claim a de- as a defence against terrible, heinous crimes that I, 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 was, I was temporarily insane because I believed in this weird conspiracy theory that drove me to these acts. It's based on a belief, though, rather than, I think, any kind of um, psychiatric testing or whatever. So, oh, my goodness. But as, in, as in to have believed so much in this obviously ludicrous theories to the extent that you would then go and kill someone because you thought they were part of the anti-Trump deep state renders you insane. I mean, I don't quite know how, what I think about it. Yeah, but it's kind of interesting. I wonder which conspiracy theories qualify and which don't. So if I believe in, like, Nessie or something, or the abominable snowman, whether well, or, you know, there's been some government, there's been some government cover-up which is preventing Nessie having her day in the sun, and so I'm going to take down Anne Widdicombe or something. Oh, I don't know. No, it's just... it's It's, yes. it's a bit... Bo- it's a, the whole world, what I've learned from this podcast, is the whole world is insane. Yeah. It's nuts. The world is a bit madder than we let on. You know, I think the great thing that we've all been assuming since the Second World War is that everyone is... We've, democracy and our, all of our systems are based on the assumption that everyone is roughly rational and sensible. <laughs> and that's not actually true. And we're finally beginning to realise it and things are falling apart. <laughs> Take heed, children. He speaks sense. Hey, you know what? It's not just the listeners who have to listen to that, Carol. It's you and I, right? What are we doing? We pod. We we do a podcast. Where's the Where's the sense in that? <laughs> well, <laughs> Carol, what's your pick of the week? Okay, I didn't do much work on my pick of the week. Oh, nice. Okay, <laughs> no, no. Oh, look. Well, yesterday, Graham and I did a charity podcast. Oh yes, BeerCon one with the beer farmers and the Many Hats Club. And I was a teeny tiny little bit rude mm, I think. A bit vulgar, yeah. A little well, you know, it was Sunday, I felt free <laughs> and maybe anyway, they, I think everyone enjoyed it, I think. Right? But I thought <laughs> links in the show notes. <laughs> my pick of the week would be a bit more family orientated okay, just to make up, you know, address the balance, address mm-hmm. the balance. So, um I found this podcast which I started listening to. Right. And it's called The Radio Adventures of Dr. Floyd. It's been going since 2004. Golly. Which is kind of cool. Yes. Just in itself. Um, and it's a family-friendly twist on old-time radio. It kind of features um, adventures and exploits from the world's most brilliant scientist, Dr. Floyd. And Dr. Floyd thwarts the plans of his evil arch-nemesis, Dr. Steve. Everyone hates Steve. <laughs> But what's kind of cool about it is during all this, you learn about people and events that shape history and the earth and all kinds of cool stuff like that. So there's lots of like tidbits of actual useful information. So what I was hoping is that Graham and uh, Jamie, you soon, mm-hmm. <laughs> makes sense in a second, and all our listeners could maybe get one of their kids to check out an episode, just a random episode, because I really like this, but I don't think I'm the target audience. I kind of want okay. the under 10s, under 12s to let me know if they think it's right. boring <laughs> or amazing. Take a listen to one episode. The episodes are short, you know, they're not very long. The Amazing Adventures of Dr. Floyd. The Radio Adventures the radio of Dr. Adventures. Floyd. Yeah, you can find it in most uh, places where you find your podcasts. 
Um, and it's quite a fun little family time, right? Six minutes. Oh, cool. And send me some reviews. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I just kind of think this kind of thing, um, we need more of this. So I'd like to know what you guys think. Okay. Well, that's my pick of the week. I know I'm stretching it, but you know, I've done 157 pick of the weeks. <laughs> Basically, I'm done. I'm tapped. I'm tapped. What? Do you, do you, do you, do you want to quit doing pick of the week? Do you want us to rest the segment? Do you want us to come up with a new idea? Maybe we, maybe we should. Maybe 2020 should be a brand well, new thing. Maybe we should do that. Bro, do you remember that one time we did the Agony Aunt corner? Maybe we should they bring. Love that. We should bring they back the that. Agony Aunt instead of pick yeah, of the week. Yeah, everyone loved that. Everyone loved it. <laughs> well, on that bombshell, we just about wrapped it up for this week. Jamie, um, I know lots of our listeners would love to follow you online and find out more about the missing crypto queen. What's the best way for folks to do that? Oh, well, you can get the missing crypto queen on BBC Sounds or anywhere else you go. What's, what's the saying everyone says? Or wherever else you download your podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the best place to go. I mean, I'm on Twitter as well, at Jamie J. Barlett. I'm still basically there. I'm posting updates. So any new bits of the story that come along, any interesting new rumours I hear, I share them there as well. Fantastic. And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity, no G, Twitter wouldn't allow us to have a G. And you can carry on the discussion about the episode over on Reddit. Uh, so, Jeremy Corbyn, if you're listening, make sure to check out the Smash Insecurity subreddit. And listeners, you are the wind beneath our wings. Thank you for listening, supporting us on Patreon, and giving us shout-outs. It all helps tons. And thank you to this week's Smashing Security sponsor, LastPass. Its support helps us give you this show for free. Check out SmashingSecurity.com for past episodes, sponsorship details, and info on how to get in touch with us. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Adieu, pick of the week. Adieu. That was a long show, but you know what? It was worth it, Clue.